Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before. He's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from week 94 of quarantine from my eight-year-old son's bedroom in rapidly gentrifying Culver City, adjacent California, boasting completely obstructed views of absolutely jack shit. This is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me once again, the lead singer of Sugar Ray and the breakout star of live video streaming music performances is that correct hello and welcome back our dear friend mark mcgrath mr michael tolley as always it's a pleasure you know nothing gives me greater joy than speaking music with you because it's not there's not many of us left in terms of, well in terms of listeners there are it's great talking and hearing from them on social media but talking about say honeymoon suite all the way to the genius of Brittany Fox, it's hard to find like-minded individuals. And I always look forward to this every time we get together, Tully. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. So so tell me, what what is this thing that you did online uh, around about a week ago? Might have been a little bit of a hyperbole and exaggeration on what really happened. Uh, I, I said heard we, one million people viewed it. I said we had a million streams, minus 900, 900, so what we did for the first time is we did a live stream like every other band has. Um, and it was a paid one. We did a paid one for the first time because the uh, service offered it up to us. So it gave us the impetus to A, rehearse and B, try it. We've never been in yeah. an acoustic band that picks up acoustic guitars and starts campfire jamming. We said, it sounds like fun. We haven't performed in a while. We don't know when we're going to perform again. Let's do it. So we did it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, no, it certainly wasn't record setting, Mike. I, uh, I, I, I tend to exaggerate a little bit, you know, but we did, we did have, uh, I think we had about 10,000 people actually purchase, which was blew really? me away. Yeah. That's huge, dude. That's huge. It was good. It was, uh, it was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. And the next thing we're going to do, I uh, was just going to, we're going to do a Facebook live one the first Thursday in August. I believe it's August 6th. I believe, forgive me if I'm not correct. And we're just going to do a live on Facebook because we had so much fun doing it. Like I said, the paid streaming was the catalyst for us wanting to do it. We had so much fun. We were digging into the deep catalog, answering questions. It was, just, it was a good time. It was a fun way to connect with the fans. That's good. You must yeah. be feeling very, very cooped up because you know I'm able to do a rough facsimile of my regular job. You are, um, you're a performer and you're a man of the people, and I'm sure you know on a professional level, but just on a personal level, you want to. You you are an entertainer. You want to entertain. It's been difficult, Michael, and it's, uh, you know, I, I've been blessed with the best job in the world. I, I, I know it when I'm up and running, and I certainly know it more than ever now. I think uh, Tom Kiefer said it best from Cinderella. You don't yes. know what you got till it's gone. You know, yeah, and I, words were never spoken. Right. I mean, you know, that genius poet Tom Kiefer from Philadelphia, yes. he just he speaks, speaks wonders. Gypsy, Gypsy, Ro Gypsy it, Road, it, we it, could go on and on, you know. <laughs> sure. uh, but, you know, I, I it, it's gone now. And what's kind of really uh scary to me mike i don't know the next time i'm going back to work there is no phase one for me phase two uh my agency caa has closed operations until january of 2021 they're not going back into their office then and to me that just sounds like a date that you're just kicking down the street so yes i, I am in a non-essential 
not as uh, contrary to popular belief, Sugar Ray is not an essential business, and I need I need social gathering. So I'm two yeah. for two, and uh, and it's almost the, uh, the, the 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 perfect storm of uh, of not going back to work. And I I call it work. It's because it's how I make a living. It, yeah. it's, I am so privileged to be able to do it, but at the same time, it's what keeps the lights on. And I'm kind mm -hmm. of looking like, I don't think I'm going to play again this year. And 2021 is just going to be slammed with every band and their mother trying to get out there and, and perform. So it's, it's, I, I see dark times ahead. So I appreciate you asking. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, I'm not sure where to go from there. So let me just move on to another awkward subject. It looks like your hair could use a touch up mark. I got it done yesterday too. Oh, really? Yeah, it, was, uh, it looks great. What, what are you seeing that I? I mean, I, I agree. Is it too thick, or is it like? Is it not? What's happening? It's an enviable. With it? It's an enviable head of hair. I did. Did you always have the 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 roots? I guess I've never taken a good long hard look at your at your well, hair before. My hair is completely gray. I, I'm Anderson Fox gray. Anderson Cooper. I mean, yeah, I'm a silver fox. Anderson Cooper gray. Uh -huh. So you know, there's there's you wouldn't believe it, but there's some dye involved in in my hair. Um, and so, you know, it, it's sort of a mixed bag. You kind of come out of there going, do I like this? But, you know, I spent two hours in the salon, so I want to get the hell out of there. So yeah. I, I, I look at it like this totally. I, I'm just grateful I still have hair. And every now and then it does what it what it wants to. And uh, I'm sort of victimized by it. Yeah, it's a it's it's a tough time for 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 all of us. You're doing much better than I am, as as you can see. I've got a, a an unruly mop with no end in sight here. When was the last time you got your hair cut? Uh, do you know what? I actually did have uh, a friend of my wife's come over and it was like socially distanced on the front patio. Salad bar face masks were involved. <laughs> so I don't even really, I don't even really have an excuse because I think here's what's going to happen. Every guy had the high and tight going. It was so ubiquitous for, for, yeah, for a few I, years I there and everybody is going to be growing out their hair and going, you know, I could actually kind of get used to this. I wish I could buy stock in the average dude's haircut just being, a, you know, shaggier in general. Like, this is going to be one of the the lasting things that marks this generation is I think dudes are going to commit to this. And I got a little too happy on the potential of what my hair was capable of doing if I just let it run wild and free. Well, I didn't know it was so luscious. You have a, uh, a gorgeous mane of locks. It's, it's, you know, I didn't realize that. Because you usually oh, kept yeah. it short and tight, you know. No, I know. Yeah, no, no, no. We 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 both are uh, among the lucky ones. I think this is. Uh, there are Irish curses, some would say, but this may be one of the Irish blessings. Indeed, someone kissed the Blarney Stone in, in some part <laughs> of my family tree. Because, you know, but I got to tell you, and I've said this before, Mike, and I, yeah. I'm not. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a spokesperson. I'm not paid by these people. But what happened to me? once in 2004 my little you know it's not my widow's peak i don't know what they call this it's kind of where your, your your hairline is on your top of your forehead but not the widow's peak on the side well and they'll call when, that the temples but but it's above the temples it's above the temples yeah i noticed yeah. in 2004 i was on tv every night so being the vain dude i am i was watching myself and i saw my hair going back a little bit i went to mm -hmm. a hair doctor and immediately he wanted to do a hair transplant and I'm like, uh -huh. dude, I go, dude, that's a little aggressive. You know, I probably have more hair than I do now. Then I go, it seems yeah. a little aggressive. You got anything else? He goes, yeah, Propecia. And I, I started taking this Propecia and I've had, it's been, it's been magical for me. It's, it didn't give me any hair, but it's kept my hair. Nothing will give you hair. Okay. I want to yeah. make that clear to people listening, but uh -huh. you could, you can keep 
You can keep what you have. Just don't be the guy that waits too long because then you're going to wait too long. See, I knew that it had to be one of them because I know Rogaine's good for one thing and Propecia's good for another thing. And you you just l- let me know what it is because there are so many Hollywood guys whose balding arrested at a place that it never stops. That yes. It just, you know, I guess Tom Hanks being an example, I don't know what else may have gone on there. So maybe he's not the best example, but that's what I'm talking about. It froze in no man's land. There are That's so right. many. There are so many guys in Hollywood where the 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 hair started its long journey. And just managed <laughs> right. to, to stop. They started the journey to Reseda, and then it just yeah. stopped somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and bro, don't be. I mean, the hair transplants now. It's hard to tell. They've really got that whole world yeah. down. So I'm not beyond that. If this starts starts going backwards and Papisha stops working, I'm in the vanity business, brother. No one's coming to see me hit my five octave Mariah Carey range, you know. So this this salad needs to stay where it is. Trust me. Right. You saw the uh, no 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 no. Your hair like like your joie de vivre is is forever young. I don't think you have anything to worry about. But you've seen the the meme that was going around with Christopher Cross, right? He's the only guy who looked like both members of Tenacious D because he's gone from being. <laughs> I didn't see that. He's gone from. The Grammy winner for Best New Artist was Jack Black, and he is now Kyle Gass. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm second we stopped this, I'm going to get that. That's so great. You know, I'm I usually so subject badly. to every meme, so it's good to laugh a couple other ones. <laughs> it's really funny, too, because I happen to click on it. I always think it's interesting when somebody comes from absolute nowhere with like 40 Twitter followers and has that tweet that's just so good that it gets uh, you know a half a million retweets. So I'm always like, oh, I wonder what what their next thing was because you got to try to you know catch sure. that lightning in a bottle again. And I looked, and the kid's next tweet was, "Oh man, um, my friend actually made that joke. Here's his Twitter. I had no idea that anybody was going to care, so I didn't put him in it." Oh, that's so funny! It's what a strange so, world we live in. Yeah, so I think what that's how strange. two high school, two high school sophomores became per- permanently estranged from one, one yeah. another. It's probably that that tweet, the, the meme war, getting lawyers involved. You know, yeah. So as I think you, uh, I think you know, I think you saw online recently on the show. I spoke to two of the guys from Blind Melon. I saw that, which. I didn't even realize how big of a deal that was for me until I had the opportunity and it was scheduled. And then you start doing your homework and you go, well, let me go re-listen to the albums. And I watched the documentary. I don't know how big of a fan of theirs you were or are. I, 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 you know, I, a fan for sure. Not a yeah. deep, not a deep dive fan. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, cert- mm-hmm. Certainly, obviously a, a tragic situation. I, Dying to see the documentary. I, I'm fascinated. By, I, I watched them all, as you know. That one has escaped me for some reason. Well, it just came out, which is which is part of the reason why. And the crazy thing about it is it makes sense. Everybody gets a documentary sooner or later. But the thing is, Shannon Hoon, the, the now-deceased lead singer of Blind Melon, was documenting not just their fame, but even before that. He just No! Became, he became best friends with a camcorder and just and- hung out filming himself they were they were saying that they had to always be on the watch out for him because you never knew when he'd be popping over a urinal when you were relieving yourself he was filming everything but there's this it's this crazy document of him and of the band and of the era because he'll just be filming the tv when like the oj chase is going on or or tabitha soren's talking about kurt cobain passing away on mtv news so it's this crazy time capsule as well 
It sounds like it's gonna, it puts you there. And, and what makes a documentary so compelling is when you have footage like that, original footage. Yeah. Like, I don't care what the subject matter is. If it's gardening and you've got all this incredible historical, chronological footage, and never mind being shot by someone involved and getting into their mindset, what they were interested in at the time period, what they were thinking. Obviously, I am very curious to how that man's mind worked. You know, so uh, uh, that that I'm already interested in seeing a documentary about Blind Melon, but to hear the way you describe it, and I mean, what do they have? Hundreds and hundreds of hours of this footage. You know, I mean, how do they even condense it into a documentary? There have to be, and then and then you get into the legal thing of you know he was friends with Guns and Roses. I didn't, you know, little pieces of things um, because as much as you and I enjoy music trivia in the pre-internet age, what you knew about people was 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 limited, like. I knew that he was friends with Axl Rose, and I knew that he, believe it or not, technically, no, uh, don't cry is a duet between yeah, no, Axl he's, he, Rose. You can hear his voice coupled with Axl's in, in there. They're singing. They're not singing harmony, but they're singing in yeah. unison. Beautiful. Yeah, they're they're doing like a, a an octave thing, and it turns yeah. out that they're from the same little place in Indiana. And pretty much if you moved to L.A. and you were cool and you, you were going to get introduced to Axel and you were going to be in that mix, but they've got him in the studio with Guns N' Roses and him waving this camcorder around and Slash does not look amused and Axel Rose does not look uh, They've got uh, footage of that? Of the yeah, Don't Cry session? So I, I have to assume, I don't know how oh. much time he spent with them. Maybe he just dropped by a rehearsal studio some other time, but it is them then and... You know, I assume you have to go back and track down each and every one of these people and of get course. permission to release that. There are so many people in this. I can only imagine what a an insane uh, and thankless task it was to get all this footage cleared and what obviously could not be cleared that would be just as uh, compelling, if not more so, because of the legal hurdle. So, yeah, well worth checking out. But it got me thinking about a subject that, uh, to be honest with you, I expected my research to be more fruitful on this. I expect that you are going to be able to give me some examples that I was not able to come up with myself of bands like Blind Melon who suffer this particular kind of curse of where they have a big hit song that most of their fans would agree is not representative of the band and therefore makes it kind of hard for them to replicate that kind of, of success. Sure. sure. So, so everybody knows about, um, about no rain. I'm sure everybody listening to this is familiar with the song, but I don't know that many people would have spent the time to get into their, uh, their, the, the rest of that album or the next album, which came out very shortly before, uh, Shannon Hoon passed away. But soup, people, right? Soup, which is a real. I think it's better than than the first album. They even put out a collection of of leftovers after he passed away to set up a college fund for his daughter, who was born weeks uh, to months before he he passed. Is away. she in the documentary, Michael? Is she in it? She is. So there's nothing in it that's new footage. It is only Got things it. that he Got filmed. It. She is in it as a, as a, a two-week-year-old. Yeah, Got exactly, you. exactly. But for people who don't know, you know, No Rain is not a song that most Blind Melon fans responded all that strongly to. It's just like a fun track eight kind of thing. Um, I'll, I'll give everybody a taste of what, like, quote-unquote, real Blind Melon sounds like.
Yeah, I don't know how familiar you are or or not with that. That was the lead single from the follow-up album. From Soup. I remember the video to that. Yep. Aren't they all driving yep. in a car, right? I think you're exactly right. And there's some crazy kind of like uh, when somebody Graphics was drunk driving in, 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 a, in a movie in the 1940s. Kind exactly. Of thing. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, when I, when I hear that, I just think, what a voice. I mean, what a voice. I know. And then, then I hear Mother Love Bone, I hear the Raspberries, I hear the Beatles, I hear Jellyfish, yes. I hear all the bands I love in one. But I, I think, yeah. you know, getting back to what you're, you're talking about, uh, a band having a hit that's very distinct from the catalog, the, Tones of Home was a big song for Blind Melon. It wasn't, it wasn't No Rain big, but Tones mm -hmm. of Home to me leans way more towards No Rain than towards that last song you played. So yes, and they had another single as well called "Change," which is maybe even a little bit closer to yeah to "No Rain." I, I saw them more as a stony, like acoustic-y band, less as a you know more. They were almost more akin to the grunge era than than like a the hippie dippy horde era, you know, which I kind of had a false perception of them. I'm not a deep dive blind melon fan, but just from what yeah. you're telling me and I'm hearing. Uh, there's a lot more to that band. I mean, you can just hear it in his voice. There's so many influences going on. They're almost struggling to get them all out in a three-minute slice of oral sculpture, you know? Right, right, right. Well, they were, I wouldn't say all over the place, but we're we're kind of both right. The song that I played was representative and Tones of Hone was also representative. But uh, I know that people who went to their shows expecting that it was going to be a bunch of, you know, soft right like to know percussion acoustic stuff we're we're going to be we're going to be disappointed and so people ended up you know staring at their watches a whole bunch um i know to an extent early in your career this is something that some sugar ray fans may have experienced yeah i mean definitely what was interesting about our band is we got signed we had no original material so when we got into writing a record we could barely play and weren't developed as songwriters so what, what did we do? We turned the amps up to 11 and wrote a lot of like, you know, more thrashy, punky rock songs. But we also were working with DJ Lethal from House of Pain, who gave us these like loops, these like stylistics, you know, barquet soul loops that we didn't know what the hell to do with. So we were kind of like kids in a candy store trying to find our sound. And by touring that record, we got better as musicians and better as uh, songwriters and Fly kind of, you know, sprouted from that, uh, that experience you know because we always loved the beach boys we just weren't that talented so we stuck in the lane of sludge and drudgery until you know we until like even like a every now and then flower grows out of cement you know and that's what kind of fly was <laughs> and when mm -hmm. and when it grew we're like wow this is kind of fun and david Kahn, our producer i could never stress enough how important he was for that so we definitely ran uh, up against a lot of that perception as you guys used to rock man now you suck and i'm like yeah i think we've always sucked so yeah <laughs> still got it mcgrath still got ah, it you're too kind yeah i have i have one here uh i'm just gonna play a a quick clip up you are obviously very familiar with uh this track right here
Is uh, is RPM still in the set list? It, it comes, it sneaks out at me now and then. If we're playing to a Sugar yeah. Ray crowd, like it's a Sugar Ray right. hard ticket show, we we will definitely mm -hmm. you play some of those songs. Uh, but if it's like a, it's a like if it's a city of Rawway, uh, you know, Rawway fest. <laughs> You know, we're going to play to the crowd. We'll play the hits and we'll leave some of that stuff out. But interesting, yeah. you know, imagine RPM getting back to like, uh, you know, the hit, not necessarily being like your other songs. Fly was the single mm -hmm. off Floored, okay? It's a little thing, reggae-ish, summery, melodic vibe. That song, RPM, was the follow-up single. It, did, oh, man. it didn't even get added to 95% of the pop stations where Fly had just set records on at weeks at number one on airplay. So it shows you, I mean, this is exactly what you're talking about, you know, exactly. Uh, and an interesting thing, being a Jersey guy from yourself, Dave Snake Sabo, Sabo, yes. co-wrote yep, co RPM with us. Oh, that guy is uh, that that guy's royalty to me. I believe I've told you that maybe the highlight of my entire music career, which did not have a ton of highlights, was <laughs> Dave Sabo, Dave the Snake Sabo, being brought by a former A and R guy from Atlantic to one of our showcases. Right. And obviously, none of the none of the labels bit, but the Snake had nice things to say, so that was cool. He came to our house. He came to our house, and we're looking at Dave Snake Sabo, and he's he's in our he's in our house, and I mean, he he is our hero you know what i mean yeah. guitar hero i mean i saw him at irvine meadows uh pantera opened for them like four years earlier he's in our living room so yeah. i mean if that had been the yeah. peak of my musical career like it sounds like it was for you that would have been yeah. okay that would have been okay I, it could have it could have been worse yeah you know um that that tour was very ill-fated the one that you referred to I know Sebastian definitely bears a, a, a grudge for that because they, uh, I don't think I'm putting words in his mouth, Skid Row got a lot heavier with the second album, Slave to the Grind, and they brought Pantera out on the road with them. And as as much, as, as heavier as Skid Row's second album was than the first album, it was no match for a vulgar display of power. And so there was the classic story of the headliner getting blown off the stage, particularly as the tides were changing literally while they're out on the road. And I think... He feels like, I forget if it's Pantera or Pantera's fans, that he's like, I helped break that band. You, They displayed that they were a better fit for that time and perhaps all of rock history than we were. You don't need to rub my nose. <laughs> yeah. we all, I know what happened. Yeah, exactly. And Pantera was like at the peak of their like, you know, when something's bubbling under, when rage is bubbling under, like, you know, yeah. I, I, th I think, I mean, by the end of that tour, they might have even switched the, the, the old switcheroo. I'm not, I don't, don't hold me to that. But, you know, after right. you're rocking, uh, you know, walk, vulgar display of power, cowboys from hell, and then you, you're hearing, I remember you after that a powerful onslaught. That That's a tough, that's a tough, uh, it's a, a, a tough act to follow. Yeah, it was like going from beer to liquor, <laughs> you know. They could exactly, <laughs> <laughs> or vice versa, right? They'll, yeah, they'll both get you drunk, but one of them is a, a far more direct line. So I was trying to think of more acts, and I was so surprised that I couldn't think of more. I feel like this is a this is a thing where the band has the song that everyone knows them for, but it's not really the representative song. Radiohead comes up in this context all the time, and while many more people are familiar with Creep as a as a pop single, I think even. Even my mom probably has some sense if she knows Creep that Radiohead have enjoyed a successful career right. afterwards, despite no longer sounding like Pablo Honey. To me, the band that always come to mind with the subject you're talking about is the band Extreme. 
More Than Words is a song that is just an albatross around their necks. I've heard them talk about it because, you know, More Than Words oh, wow, is the yeah. Everly Brothers. It's the Everly Brothers, you know? And then you hear yes. the other stuff like, if you don't like what you see here, get the funk out. You know, it's like, it's like, see, I, I, I don't know if, I don't know if everybody's, if everybody's quite as familiar with get the funk out as you, you and I are. So why don't we share a little taste of that real quick? Oh, okay. There was no, there was no bigger extreme fan than me, and I'm embarrassed that I forgot of them because I think most people got the idea that if it was like, a, say, a Skid Row, if they've got an "I Remember You," I think people had gotten the idea by then that bands weren't making ten album, ten al- ten song albums that sounded like that. There was the two ballads, and there was the rest of the heavy stuff. But extreme, you actually might not guess because it was not a power ballad. Right. The do 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 boom never actually came you're right they sounded like a light acoustic act and instead they were you know a funkadelic carpet ride absolutely that's well put i mean there, there are so many layers to extreme they're such a great band they still sound good i saw some live thing from them in uh, japan like a year ago i you yeah. know betancourt doesn't age uh, gary still sings the nope. same i mean they just they, they were he amazing does. um but i think you know this 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 topic we're talking about fits very nicely into the uh, the the uh, power ballad of the 80s when you had bands, you know, like Mr. Big to be with you, you know, that wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily indicative of the majority of their catalog. You know, in fact, they they, right. they, they released that gigantic number one song that other singles didn't do anything because they were more like, you know, proggy, rocky. And then they went back to the well and recorded Wild World by Cat uh, Stevens by Kat to Stevens. take another drink in the top 10, you know, and then got their asses quickly back out of there because that's that wasn't what they were about, their essence. So, you know, on another band, Tough. Remember Tough? Oh my goodness! I've had pizza with Steve Rochelle. Oh. Of course, I know tough. I've, I've, I've interviewed Brett Michaels just so I could ask him about the writing process behind Ruckapit Bridge. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> I got a secret down here, Ruckapit Bridge, whatever the hell it is. I'm just like, how did you? I'm like, that's a top ten poison song. What were you thinking? And Brett won't give you a straight answer to anything. He's a he's a rock and roll. He's the nicest but... delegate of, of he... humanity and kindness. No, Brett, I love the guy. But you know, I, I I was thinking this the other day. I don't think there's a band that got more shafted in the world of this metal, hair metal, whatever you want to call it. I don't like using that term, but it's good for generalizations and broader sense and people know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. They, I hate kissing you goodbye. They're a power ballad. Every metal band yep. had a power ballad because that was the one that was going to drive the sales. Then you could go back to your, you know, bathroom wall or whatever the hell, ruck a pick bridge, whatever you wanted, you know. But everybody had their power. I got my Fester Pussycat T-shirt in the mail three days I, ago. Yes, dude, L.A. Guns and Junkyard are selling me, uh, sending me T-shirts because I tweeted that. I'm so happy. Um, life's made. Um, but so. I Hate Kissing You Goodbye ended the MTV's top 10 uh, dial video countdown. And they ended with Metallica, yeah. and uh, I, I think someone else was there, and then they were number three on the count the countdown. And then the next week, Nirvana came with uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, and they literally got 
they got their tour tag. Talk to Steve Rochelle. Steve Rochelle is a fascinating guest. I don't know if you ever had him on, yes, on your is. show. He's got no. I would. I he's would. He's got such an incredible story to tell because there's never been a man closer that just didn't make it than Top. Never to me. They had a hit. People know them. They, they were signed. All the money was behind them. They had the best looking front man. He was Brett Michaels part due, you know, and, and yep. it just didn't happen because never mind absolutely took their success from them. Nirvana's never mind. It was like, nope, we're not doing this anymore. And their video fell out of the countdown the next week. It was number three on Friday and then out of the countdown that Monday. I mean, they were counting well, the of money. Course, they were seeing the front. I know full. I know full well what you're talking about, just in case anybody doesn't know what we're talking about. This was, uh, yeah, latecomer to the hair metal party, tough, and I hate kissing you goodbye. Okay, so we got a we got a G and we got a D. What do you guys want to well, do? I'm next? just gonna tell you. I'm it, I'm 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 leaning towards I did, C. I was just gonna say it's that D C G get on chorus. <laughs> get to the chorus. I mean, it is yeah. every rose has a storm. It's 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 um the ballad of Jane. They're all D C G. Yes. Oh wait, we need a bridge. We're going to E minor. Then we're going back to D and yep, C. Yep, and by yep. the way, Good Riddance by Green Day follows the same chord structure. Same thing. Oh my God! Yeah. Same thing. So like, yes. That, and and even 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 uh, even uh, blister in the sun is the same. That GC, it, people love that GC. Go to D. If you the closest I can yep. tell someone, if you want to try and write a hit, stay in that. Stay with those three chords. You know. Did you have that? Did you have that <laughs> tough ready to go? I'm typing as we oh. talk here. I'm always ready at the drop of a hat to listen to Tough. You should know oh that my about, God. about me. You're by like now. Fred Norris on the, uh, the, the, the 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 samples and the sound effects are killing it, bro. So uh, let me see. Oh, here's another one. <clears throat> this one I find very very interesting. I believe I know the story behind this correctly. So you're talking about the coming of grunge, the coming of Nirvana, and all the other bands that sounded quite a bit like nirvana and so somewhere uh not in america um blur is listening going this doesn't sound very hard to do as a matter of fact i feel like i could whip one of those <laughs> out of my ass right. so as far as i know because they always were a little bit of a a cheeky band not a yeah. joke band but there was always an element of um of, of humor and superciliousness to what they were doing they just throw woohoo out there and go, is it really this simple? Because at that point to my ears, that's kind of what Alice and Chains were doing is going woohoo over a sludgy guitar. And lo and behold, it's a massive hit song that is still played in stadiums and stuff like that, despite the fact that it was an English band making fun of American music. Isn't that great? And the, the lyrical quality, the thing about them too, Blur, they're very smart. It's an intellectual band. They're very smart. You know, if you look at what Damon yeah. has done in his career, the guy's extremely talented, yes. super cerebral. Uh, but in all of the banality and ham-fistedness of Song 2, there is an incredible lyrical content if you if you break it down, in my opinion. Okay, well, I do, I do not know the lyrics to Song 2, you know, so please, I don't even think they, the lyrics rhyme. Says, please I, let I me got, know. I got me head shaved uh, by a jumbo jet. And I love the pronunciation of Jumbo Jet. I got my head shaved by Was that what he's Jumbo saying? Jet. It wasn't easy, but nothing ahead. Woohoo! And so, like, 
he's almost saying that it's hard to do what he's trying to make easy. I, that, that, that's my interpretation. I'm sure there's a, you know, I'm sure uh, I'm, I'm probably, you know, I'm not smart, so I'm probably saying it wrong. Uh, but the, the lyrics are whip smart and the phrasing is great. And um, that's why it works to so many levels. And you and I have talked about this. I dare you to make a dumb hit song. Go ahead. It's not, it's very hard. Oh, I know. It's easy to make a good song, hard to make a hit song. Well, yeah, and so often there is this element of um, of flukiness. Uh, there's another subject I'll talk to you about another day, but in, in researching for talking to you today, I came across the, was it Incense and Peppermint song? Oh, yeah, Strawberry Alarm Clock. Right, so the story behind that song is supposedly that the band did not want to work with an outside collaborator and the producer had some poet 1960s laurel canyon you know this guy like really, parks type. it all figured out guy wrote the lyrics it's supposed to be a b-side i don't know what the a-side is they have the music they bring in this other guy's lyrics and they're so disdainful of having to collaborate with this guy that rather than having any member of strawberry alarm clock sing the song, there's like this teenager that's hanging out at the studio. I don't know if he had just like delivered their falafel or something. So, <laughs> so they have him cut the vocal cause they don't no. want to lower themselves to do this other guy's lyrics. And that is there's, supposedly there's, the, the lead singer. That can't be true. That's my favorite story of all time. I, know. I can't believe I, I can't believe I don't know that, especially because it's such a deep vocal. In such and peppermint, strawberry wine. It sounds like an old ass man is singing that. It does not sound like a child. Uh, You know, I'm going to look into that. While I do, I'm going to briefly share a taste of what Blur actually sounds like for people who never made it beyond song two. I don't know how much time you spent with them. I found them to be a little hit or miss, but when they hit, they hit quite beautifully. Very much so. As in this case right here. You know, they were kind of the Beatles to the Oasis's Rolling Stones. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that is a very, very good way of, of putting it. And um, it's funny because I felt like at the time the uh, Oasis was kind of winning the war. It was a big thing. People, I don't know over here how familiar oh. they are with the Britpop battle. It was Blur versus Oasis. Now, what it really comes down to is that there at least are, uh, there at least were if there no longer are, although I believe there still are two weekly music newspapers in England, which is not all that big of a country. I think it's smaller than California. So they need stars and they need storylines and they're almost better understood as, as, as music tabloids. So it was absolutely tailor made to have Oasis who would pick a fight with anybody come (laughs) along at the exact same time as blur. And I think that blur couldn't quite bring themselves to get their hands dirty arguing back with with oasis and oasis of course were more than happy to so i felt like the the oasis sort of made themselves the people's champion by being roughly equivalent in terms of musical output and being a far better quote 
And I imagine it is very, very delicious for Damon Albarn all these years later to still be, um, you know, a guy with uh, contemporary success who is a relevant a, career, yeah, relevant, bigger with gorillas than Oasis probably ever were. So uh, I, I would say that Blur might have lost the battle, but long term Damon Albarn has for sure won that war. Yeah, I remember it was such a big thing. And it was also a class thing because Blur was considered yes. like upper class and Ponzi and, you know, Oasis is working class, oi yep. lads. And, you know, it had the perfect storm of all the tabloid fodder that yep. generates sales, you know. Yeah. Um, but but ironically, I remember there was a big thing. There was a it was a big deal because Blur and Oasis were releasing the same single a single on the same day in 1995 mm -hmm. and it was country house from blur yeah which no one no one in america knows that song nope. and it was roll with it by oasis yeah i remember blur won because theirs went in at number one and rolled mm -hmm. went at number two and Knowles never never gotten over that to this day which was a bizarre bizarre choice because roll with it was I, off so of, right of which that is record What's the story? Morning Glory is every now and again a band has an album which is effectively a greatest hits album. It has everything yes. that you need. Oasis had hits before and in my mind after, even if they were B sides, they were still hit caliber songs. But everything on What's the Story? Morning Glory worked perfectly for what it was. Hello, the opening track was up. Was not a great single. Was a perfect opening track. Roll with it was the great. Keep them going. Nice little hook, track two, not a huge, well, it hit a huge chorus because everything they had had a huge chorus. But yeah. then you get Wonderwall, then you get Don't Look Back in Anger, then you get Some Might Say, which is my actual favorite song on the album. Me too. Sh Champagne Supernova, which I'm to this day shocked that that was a successful single because it's kind of ponderous. When you have a band that just wrote tight pop song after tight pop song, like I didn't conceive of that as a single on an album that I conceived of as having five singles. So it shows it shows what I know. I have no idea why they why they led with Roll with it. Because Country Country House is not the greatest blur song. And there's there's three songs on What's the Story Morning Glory that would have creamed it if they led with them. I, I agree. I some might say it already been released and gone to number one. Oh okay. That, yeah. So I, I think that that was the thinking behind that. You know, I don't but you know uh when you when you when that you know that that what's the story of morning glory like you say it's it's a work unto itself it's almost a shame to pull singles the sequencing of that record's perfect you yeah. know and 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 champagne supernova that was a seven minute song bro i know you know you know how good your song has to be to take commercial dollars out of radio's pockets and that's what that song does and mm -hmm. you know people play it to the end of the solo and then the end of the uh, the keyboard thing going it's just uh it's perfect it's a perfect song yeah. So I looked up the whole incense and peppermint thing. And I think what I said is by and large, correct. So during the recording session, the band expressed a dislike for song lyrics, which some guy John S. Carter wrote, relying heavily on a rhyming dictionary. It is. <laughs> you see the guy in the studio holding a book out. <laughs> which... I'm assuming if people don't know, it's sort of self-explanatory, but those have always been a very, very dirty word in the songwriting community. Although Noel Gallagher, to his credit, is openly cop too. And if you listen to his songs, you wouldn't be too shocked. Sometimes you just need a rhyme. And sometimes like, somebody... Faster somebody, than a cannonball? I mean, come yeah. on, dude. He was just looking for a word there, you know? Exactly. Precisely. So a friend of the band, I don't know how long this guy was. He he does not of himself uh, warrant a, a hyperlink on Wikipedia, but his name is 
Greg Munford. He was visiting the recording session. A friend of theirs and the rest of the band were um, background and harmony vocalists. And it appears that the other guys who had written the instrumental track um, were subsequently denied any songwriting credit for that. So that was, was a, Mumford. Was Mumford credited on as a songwriter? Or on the, no. that would be interesting to me. You know. And by the way, how bummed are they when it starts going up to the top ten? And they're being asked to go on Shindig or, uh, you know, the Ed Sullivan show. And they're like, we can't. The kid's got to work the pizza joint tonight. You know what I'm saying? It's like I would have what, to assume they just they just flew Mumford around everywhere. I, I, what a careful what you ask for scenario that is, man. Could you imagine that? The only hitch you sort of don't have, you didn't even do, you know. It's That's almost worse. It's almost worse than uh, than not having a hit. Not at having all. a hit at all, exactly. Until all your contemporaries who also didn't have a hit go back to the pizza place, and you do at least have the option should, yeah. should you choose to play the card <laughs> of appearing in Rahway, New Jersey, as long <laughs> as long as either Munford can make it or you can figure out a way to do a passable Munford. You know what I think is, and no one else thinks about these things, but I wonder who owns the trademark to Strawberry Alarm Clock. Because, you know, if you're a wise man, you could take, God knows, anybody, a competent musicians out there, put them on some 60s, you know, happy together turtles tour and mm-hmm. make a nice chunk of change every year. You know, I, I don't know. Those are the weirdest things I think about. And if none of you are actually Strawberry Alarm Clock, no one will be the wiser? <laughs> well, look, Foreigner, Foreigner hasn't had an original guy in the band in five years. They're doing the best live business they've ever done in their life. You know what? And I, I witnessed that firsthand. I was at the. I was fortunate enough to be at the <laughs> Indianapolis 500. A, you know, through my job, and and B, just when there still were things like the Indianapolis 500 yeah, happening in the world. Right. And I was walking out as Farner took the stage, and I was like, "God damn, Farner are are really bringing it." And I mentioned that subsequently to Eddie Trunk, and he said, "Well." They damn well better be seeing as hell. Yeah. That's uh, that's the singer of Bonham. That's Jason Bonham, well, no, John it, Bonham's kid, Jason it, Bonham's uh, former lead vocalist of well, it's uh, Kelly Hansen. Kelly yeah. Hansen from the band Hurricane. You remember them? They were on a they were a metal band that was on Atlantic. Yeah. Na, right. na 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 na. I'm on to you. That's Kelly Hansen, mm-hmm. and it's also uh, Jeff uh, Pilson from Dawkin on bass. Yeah. Oh, is it? So the. Yeah, there's a real heavy metal representation in Foreigner, and they deliver the goods, and you forget what a catalog that band has. That's exactly right. As I was standing there, you know, waiting for us to load up our stuff and get the heck out of there, I was looking them up because, yeah, they go they go into, you know, okay, hot-blooded, and then they do cold as ice, and you're like, right, I got it. And then they kind of keep coming, and you go, oh, shit. Farners, you're trying a, to leave, right? But you're just like, shit, I gotta stay. There's a big difference between a two and a three hit band, and and then yeah. you know the, the the category you're fortunate to be in, where you go, oh, these guys actually don't have I words. know it? Don't yeah. I know it? <laughs> no, there, there's a big difference between a two and a three hit band and a legacy band, like Warner. yeah, you know, you can have legacy songs, but you're not a legacy band, and that that's the difference between stadiums and playing Rahway County Fair. That's right. That's right. Shout out to uh, to Rawway. It's lovely this yeah, time no. of year. By the way, I say Rawway because we were supposed to play Rawway. Sending you a ton of love, Rawway, and mm-hmm. hopefully we'll see you in uh, 2024. So let me see. I have a, <laughs> I have a couple more of these. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. 
uh, a couple more of these. The um, I, I love I'm, this topic, by the way. I know we've gone a million t tangents, but this I love it. Um, uh, the I'm sure there were some people in the '90s who um, were surprised to find out that the Butthole Surfers sound more like a band called the Butthole Surfers yeah. than, <laughs> than perhaps. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Their hit song "Pepper" my funny ball. might have implied. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, Jiver, Jiver mixed with Gibby. He is a he is a character. You know he he never he never got in my environs. You yeah. know he was uh, he I I I I know a lot of people that know him. It just paths never crossed. You know for yeah. I, I'm a fan of the band. You know, um, but he's never, a never he, paths. he's a rock on tour. I was uh, again one of the many little weird perks of this job, not just being able to see the newly reconstituted Farner at the Indy 500. One time. <laughs> I met I met Gibby and he got my phone number and and I and I think that when Gibby gets bored he just starts calling people and and sort of talking at them and I for a while there I was traveling around a bunch for work and Gibby would call me and I would just pick up and for like forty five minutes Gibby would just tell me a bunch of stuff that had happened like like, like I'm fascinated by that like so he's okay. a, he's a nice guy wonderful really guy. nice extremely nice yeah and I don't and I don't want to I'm I'm being silly but I'm not trying to say that he's like uh, mentally off or anything he just kind of right. gets he's a front man he kind of I think he kind of likes the sound of his own voice so he'll just get wound up and he'll start telling you all these stories but they're great stories he he was a really big fan for a while of um of uh i don't want to i hate stealing gibby haynes's story but since he's not here him and his friends enjoyed dicking which was this thing they got into of what could you get away with opening your pants and putting your putting your penis on and i think he had a friend that in a crowded nightclub claimed to have like dicked madonna like just got his pants out and as she walked past <laughs> And his Gibby's crowding achievement was that uh, he had, uh, on top of all of his musical accolades and all that, and appearing at Lollapalooza, was that one time he dicked a suitcase that belonged to Jimmy Carter's daughter, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then, to his eternal delight, as he recounted to me decades later, Jimmy Carter and Rosalind Carter, or whatever showed up to pick up the daughter and he watched the former president of the United States bend over and pick up this luggage that he had, that he had dicked the handle of. There is no, I mean, that, I, that's a story he, he delivers. That's a story yeah. I expect from Gibby Haynes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. He, he sounds like to me, a guy whose life is the fear and loathing in Las Vegas movie. Very, like, very much so. Yeah. That's it's just all psychedelic and just uh -huh. non sequiturs and just surreal, you know. It's it's always it's it's always happening around yeah, around exactly. Gibby and, and and those people are the best that they are the uh, they are the straw that stirs the drink everywhere <laughs> every they room are. they they go you need, into. They, they're characters. They're, they're you just need unconventional characters like that man, you know, and yeah. that, like that like that band, you know. Yeah. Did you ever uh, spend any time with the laws of There She Goes fame? Lee Mavers, man, never did. And and and, and Noel will tell you, he's Gallagher will tell you, Lee Mavers is like how he learned to write songs from you know no There kidding. She Goes. Yeah, he, the, Lee Mavers, huge, huge. Uh, uh, Noel's a huge fan of his. There She Goes is one of the most perfect pop songs ever written. The way it's arranged, there's never a dull moment. The economy of lyrics is perfect. And I love the fact that Sixpence None the Richer covered the song and it's about yep. it's 
It's about heroin. Yeah, Sixpence and, and the a Richer Christian band. noted Christian act. That's exactly yeah. right. And but, if I'm not I mean, mistaken, I don't, I don't love that. I should I should paraphrase. I, it's, it's ironic. Let's say I I I give nothing but love and respect to Sixpence and the Richer. I like Sixpence and the Richer. I actually just got into. Um, uh, Breathe Your Name, which was, I think, the single off of the next album, which is, if you listen to it, very clearly a Christian song. I'll have to t- I'll have to look at it. Lee Nash, beautiful singer, and it Kiss yeah. Me is just such a perfect pop song too. It's just it, uh-huh. you're not you're not you're not alive that that doesn't uh, tickle the ivories. But so, uh, say your name is it or be your name? What what was the name of the single? Tell it's it. called it's called Breathe Your Name. Breathe you Your were, Name. Yeah, you you know the song. So the laws. I was just going to say they don't really they did not have another. Uh, there she goes up their sleeve. Although the album is also, you know, very pleasantly melodic in a similar way. Also, um, a testament. Do you to have the, some laws? Do you have the backup I, laws? Oh, I, I can, I can do the laws. Yeah. Uh, there she goes was a testament to the enduring strength of G D and C in its own right. Um, and this Indeed. is another song. sounds like like freddie and the dreamers or something you know it's got a very 60s pop psychedelia feel to it but you know it, it doesn't seem like such a, a left turn from there she goes i mean there she goes is so perfect and it's mm-hmm. got a 12 string rickenbacker in it which is beautiful you can hear that i believe you're right out. yeah so and that that's just more like garage rock where there she goes is a perfect slice of beatles pop you know yeah, exactly. Here, in case you care, you're going to know this when you hear it. Here's the sixpence, none the richer song I was referring to. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a great song. It's a great song. There I was at the, at the deli counter at Ralph's a couple months ago, and, and that's that's playing. And I'm just like, you know, I don't, I remember the song. I don't remember who that was. And you forget they did, they had three hits minimum, and I, I would say that's arguably the best of them. Did you Shazam it, or how did you come to the? Uh, how, did you or did you recall I'm, it? I'm an avid Shazammer. I am too. I'll Shazam the shit on anything. You know, I love Shazam. Yeah. Uh, the- yeah, it's great and. And then you and then you and then you go back through your Shazams and sometimes you're like it's embarrassing. It's so that's embarrassing. the funny thing. You're like the 1910 it's, Fruit Gum Company. What the hell? <laughs> it's incredibly embarrassing and humbling for a music lover, but also a music snob. When all of a sudden you realize that you know you've got uh, what's that guy's name? Oh my god! Uh, give me, give me, a, give me anything. It's with Colby, Colby Kaye. Oh, it's Jason but, Mraz. Uh, it's. Uh, yeah, the Jason Mraz, Colby Clay song. It's um, uh, you. Uh, oh God, now, now, now you put me in your world, man. Okay, hold on. Here it is. Here it is. Look, man. That's a talented guy, Jason Mraz. I don't care, you know, what what you, if you don't, you don't, you cannot doubt that man's talent. Man. That's Seriously. a, that's a phenomenal little. It's not even necessarily a song. You didn't really come up with a verse, but the the hook and the after hook stuff is oh. just is just gorgeous. 
it's that ooh, it's so perfect and tastefully done and not self-indulgent, you know, and very emotive. I, I, I Jason Mraz is a genius. Yep, 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 yep. Um, Mark, you have to go, and uh, I will let you go, but I hope that we can do this again soon. Yeah. And until yes, we speak again, remind everybody how they can see Sugar Ray live via Instagram. Yeah, well, we're going to be uh, on Facebook. Uh, we're doing a live Facebook uh, event, uh, free, one come, come all. It's uh, at 6 p.m. Uh, uh, Pacific Standard Time on August 6th, I believe. It's that Thursday, first Thursday in August. Love to see you there. And you hit me up on Twitter at Mark, Mark underscore McGrath. I'm on Instagram. I, I love hearing from everybody. And of course, Mark McGrath's 120 on Series XM 90s on 9, 9 p.m. Friday nights.